0: Hey friends, it's your pal Mike Shay from Sly Flourish. Today, we are gonna be taking a look at Shadowed Keep of the Borderlands, a adventure written by Raging Swan Press. I've had this adventure in my hands for a long time, but I finally got a chance to start running a game in it. I, my, my Saturday, sort of every other week group has finished Light of Xaraxxus, which is the adventure from the Spelljammer box set. And we decided like, let's go in the opposite direction and go to a very straightforward traditional D&D, like old school D&D style adventure. And Shadowed Keep of the Borderlands is the one that I looked at and wanted to see. So we are going to be talking all about Shadowed Keep in the Borderlands today, what I've learned from it, my thoughts so far in running a campaign in it, some tips and tricks for GMs and other things like that as we as we dig into it. This show, like all of the work of Sly Flourish, is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish. Patrons get access to a dedicated Discord server and monthly Q&A, the City of Arches sourcebook, Uncovered Secrets Volume 1 and 2, a bunch of exclusive adventures, video previews, and whole mon- a, whole, a whole lot more. But also, they help me put on shows like this. To the patrons of Sly Flourish, thank you so much. For your support so I have quite the list of things that I wanted to talk about today But I really wanted to make this video as useful for you a GM of role-playing games as possible And so when I really think about like what my one main point is the one thing that I'd, I'd like to talk about today is how it felt Getting back to the core DD experience by running Shadowed Keep on the Borderlands. Shadowed Keep on the Borderlands, I'm going to dive into the adventure itself and what you get and what it looks like, but it's a very much a classic style adventure written as sort of an homage to Keep on the Borderlands and Village of Hamlet. these two very old classic DD adventures and how they sort of operate with like a central base and exploration and old ruins and dealing with bandits and stuff like that. It is a very straightforward traditional DD style adventure, but written with a new, modern design sensibility which is really what we want today so i am a big let me let me spoil it oh yeah mike but should i buy this yes the answer is yes, you should buy Shadow Keep of the Borderlands. If you're looking for a good classic style adventure, it's a great one to get. You can pick it up on Through RPG. The standard color version is just fine. You can get it with the PDF, it's $18 for a for the print version and the PDF. And I recommend getting the print version and the PDF. It's a, it's really good. It's black and white. It looks really good. And yeah, so the answer is yes, you should buy it. It's good. On the on the assumption that you're looking for a classic style, you know, roughly it's like 70-80 page adventure to run in your campaign. Shadow Keep of the Borderlands is an excellent, excellent adventure. I'm really enjoying it. I'm really liking it. I'm liking running my adventures into it. But we're gonna talk about like what I've been doing with it and stuff like that. But the main, the main thing that I that caught my attention when I was doing my prep for it yesterday, when I was running the game and talking to my players afterwards about how we feel about it. We really enjoy that kind of classic D&D experience. We're enjoying, you know, in yesterday's game, they fought a zombie. They fought some giant spiders. They went to a hill and found an old necrotic obelisk and then fought more zombies. And that, that style of just, you know, going into the woods, dealing with monsters, dissecting this dark plot... In, in this kind of classic, you know, European fantasy sort of setting was was fun and was kind of refreshing and it was it was nice. It was, it was, you know, I think people are enjoying their characters. We still have all the kind of modern stuff that's going on in good 5e games where character, you know, big in-depth connections with characters, lots of background story, lots of like interwoven plots that are going on in the area, lots of like NPCs they're dealing with. So there's still like a lot of thick and rich story and character building and all that sort of stuff. It's not this like just straight dungeon delving sort of idea but it's still built in this sort of classic D&D setting and I think all of us are really enjoying that. I know I'm really enjoying it that. and that's something that Shattered Keep in the Borderlands itself does a really good job at. So that's that's kind of the it's not so much like a tip or something like an actionable thing you can use, except to say that from time to time as you're jumping around from all of these different worlds, you're playing in Strixave and you're playing in Ravnica, you're playing in Eberron, you're playing in, in Spelljammer, you're playing in all of these wild, weird worlds which is great and cool, but sometimes it's also fun to kind of get back and just play that like where you You're fighting some giant spiders. You know there's something that's that's really fun about that about that core that core D experience of fighting giant spiders in the woods is a really good time and don't don't pass on it because you think it'll be boring it turns out that a lot of times all of us kind of enjoy that so i did want to take a quick look at shadowed keep of the borderlands itself just so that we know what we're so we know what we're talking about again it is an adventure written by raging swan press raging swan makes excellent adventures and settings and d and dm accessories gm accessories tons and tons and tons of them you can find them all on drive through rpg there's a whole store of them. I have done a bunch of different spotlights on different tool sets that they do. Fantastic books of random tables that you can use to gain, generate ideas and help fuel your you know fuel your mind while you are busy creating the campaign that you're going to run. Lots and lots of really good tools for that that I've looked at in the past. But also a really good adventure. One of the things that drew me to Shadowed Keep was in particular the playtesting. Crichton Broadhurst, who wrote the adventure, mentions that, that they've run this adventure many, many times at Conventions and at other places, and gotten lots of feedback. It was actually a Pathfinder adventure before it was a 5e adventure, so it's been run many, many times. Which means it's been refined. It's been and and new versions of it have come out. So that means we're getting a really well tested, well played product here. Not one where somebody like had an idea, put it on paper, and then put it out and hope that it worked out. So it's always good to know that you get even even when it's a lightweight adventure. You know, black and white, black and white art, black and white text, and it feels like the sort of old school adventure knowing that it's been really refined in play, I think is a, it was something that made me say, okay, this is probably worth me, this is probably worth me trying it out. It's actually like, and it says here, right? first edition of Shadow Keep was in 2012. So it's 11 years old. The adventure is 11 years old. The fifth edition version is not is you know 2021, so almost 10 years later when it was written. Which means it's had a lot of good refinement. And I think that that, that's a, that is some, that's a level of value you can't get. When I talk about the value of a published work, why we buy published products this is why you can't take your home game and test it out over 10 years and then say okay now we're ready and then run it for your group by the time you've tested it it's already done you've already tried it out you've already run it and there's lots of advantages in custom in doing your homebrew adventures i'm not knocking that But one of the values you get from a product like this is knowing that it has been refined over time, that the weird trouble bits where things get kind of eaten away, you have kind of you've managed to to polish that off in dozens, maybe even hundreds of games. That is a super valuable thing you get for a relatively low price, considering that's like, what is it, 12 bucks, $12 for the PDF and and like, you know, the soft cover with PDF is under 20. That's a that's a really good. A really good price the adventure itself is a small campaign adventure it's intended to go from like first to fourth level so it's that sort of first tier it is longer than the adventure it's longer than like Lost Mine of Phandelver which is also an excellent adventure or Dragon of Ice Spire Peak or Dragons of Stormwreck Isle the three starter set adventures which is probably kind of like the closest that this thing comes to a to other existing published adventures all three of those are excellent adventures that are designed for starting DMs I would definitely compare it to Lost Mine of Phandelver it's about the same size that Lost Mine of Phandelver is has a lot of the same stuff that's going that's kind of going on and again I love Lost Mine of Phandelver it's one of my favorite my favorite 5e adventures and it's got the a sort of centralized town. It's got lots of places you can explore outside of the town. It's got a few different dungeons in different places. So it's got a lot going on. So if, if you were to compare this to another adventure, I would compare it to something like, like Lost Mine of Phandelver. I think, it, I think it fits in that style. And it starts at first level. Now, one of the things for my own campaign is I'm already like thinking well past fourth level. I think that I've got a bigger plot line that I'm that kind of came to me while I was running this. And I've already dropped in the seeds for this bigger campaign plot line. So I'm already like running f- past... What's in the adventure itself? My characters are in places that aren't in this adventure at all, exploring a plotline that's not in the adventure at all. But I'll get to like why that's okay and why that doesn't. Why this still helped when I was when I've already gone off the off off the path and run it myself. So the, the book itself has has the. The, the village of dulwich it's got a whole thing about how the adventure begins the background for the location this whole sort of plot line about this old adventurer and his family who built this keep and then it got overrun by goblins and orcs and then he and everybody were killed and then bandits have been taking over but there's a bunch of like sellers and sub and dungeons below some of them have goblins in it but some have like undead horrors yada 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 a lot of a lot of different stuff that's going on and but a big piece of the book is set around the 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 town of dulwich which is a pretty good sized town a pretty pretty big pretty big town and running towns can be pretty hard But one thing I found with Shadowed Keep is that it really does a good job of summarizing the information about the town and giving you references so that you can quickly kind of grab onto what you need. Because trying to remember like the names of NPCs and who the characters know and locations that they went, towns are just hard. I'm actually going to talk about this in another video that running towns and cities is just difficult because there's so many variables, something that you definitely want to do. When you're making a product like this is consider and I need to think about this for products that I'm making very important when you're making a product consider that it is being used in at least two different ways. Way number one is that a GM sits down and reads it, or they read parts of it, and they, they have the time and and, and the energy to, to read and absorb what's going on there. And then they're in the thick of it, and now they need it as a reference. They need to be able to, during the game, quickly open it up and say, yeah, the guy's name is such and such. They need to be able to quickly reference it. And some products are good at one and not good at the other. Some products are, are pretty good at both. This is an example of a product that's good at both. There's lots of areas where it's got lengthy text to describe what's going on, but then many areas where it's quickly referencing that stuff. We'll, we'll show how they're doing that. But Dulwich is like a big, you know, is it half the book? It's at least a third of the book is focused on the town of Dulwich. And it has like these events about things that are going on. Again, great strong starts. If your characters are in town and you're starting your session there, you can sort of roll one of these dice and, and go with a strong start. They can also give you ideas about the kinds of things that go on, and maybe you say, oh, actually, I've got a different strong start that I'm going to run. But it's got, you know, really good 2D8. And then it's got, this is what I'm talking about, a reference section. Right in the beginning, one page, one single page that has 16 different locations and, and about an equal number of NPCs. The one thing I would love to see this have is... The location should have the name of the person who's there because trying to reference back between one column, you basically have two columns, the locations on one side and the NPCs on the other, but those many of those people are located in those locations. I really just need to draw, and I could draw it in my book, right? Thin lines that connect the people to the locations it would be just a really really subtle thing and I don't know if it's just like you know in parentheses put the name of the person that's in the location on the one side so that you can then look it up on the other side but I have found it hard I'm like okay I know that they're at the keep but I don't you know I don't remember who is the person that's there it's gonna be a little tricky but it's not that bad it's still on one page it's still it's still really easy to go and that that one reference is, is you know again exactly what I'm looking for for something that is table usable something that I can run right at my table and I have run it I ran it last night really nice map I gave the copy of this map to the character to the players and gave a list of descriptions and then you, you can actually give it the same that this list of descriptions on the left the one thing you have to do though so what i did is in discord is i put up the map with a with a key and then i put up these location these bits of locations but the one thing that you have to do is that these have dm spoilers in them i kind of wish it didn't because the main descriptions have spoiler have, have the DM information in it. And there are big spoilers in here that you want to worry about handing to your players, which means if you're going to give this list to your players so that they can reference the places they can go in town, which is really handy. You need to sanitize it first before you give it to them. So that was a little bit of work to do, but not, you know, not bad. And I'm just I'm just kind of like, you know, what a thing like what? A, you know, I wish it had X and Y and Z. Nice size city. It's actually, you know, it's probably more than a town and and probably is right on that edge of a of a of a you know, a city. Cause there's a lot of people that are here. There's a lot of people here. There's two different gangs. There's lots of different stuff that's going on. There's an armored keep, there's guards. It's a pretty good size location. Which I think is good because it gives you enough stuff to do here that it's not like you just go there and go to the inn and that's it. But it's not water deep. It's not so big that you have 12 districts and you got to remember all of the 12 districts. So I think I think that it works. I think that this is pretty much the right size. It talks about the various guilds. I'm not really getting involved with the guilds. It's kind of a level of politics that I don't really need in this particular game. And then it talks about the two gangs, the Shadowed Spiders and the Black Cats. That's definitely a fun thing that I've been using. Is like which group has gotten involved. It's got notable streets as well. Again, this is like a, this is a little harder for me to reference. Like I guess as they're walking walking around the street, and the map of the, does show the street. So you could say like as they're going from one location to the other, you could describe what kind of street it is. So if you really want to fill out the resolution of this of this town, of this city. I'm gonna call it I'm gonna call it a town, I guess. No, i will call it a city. So as you're filling out this city, if you really want to give people a good feeling for what the city is like when they're going from one location to the other, you can look at the map and say, okay, they're traveling from area twelve to area two. And when they do so, I can't read it. They're going down per- Percho Street, P-U-R Perho Street. And then you can go to Perho Street. And say, you know, first priest of the Temple of Khan is celebrating the street with numerous small shrines and stalls. So you say, ah, there's a lot of different shrines, and you find shrines to your various deities. So you can read that and quickly give people, like, a, a feeling that the city is really alive. Very, very smart. And again, like, built for running a game. Like, one of the things when you see about how different locations and different campaign source books and different things, sometimes you read them and you're like, that's great, but I can't run an adventure here. So to find an area where, like, the size of it is designed for gaming right the, the size of it is designed design for you to be able to run it it's got enough it's big enough that lots of different things can go on there but small enough that you could actually get your hands around it when you're running it that's that's really that's really handy lots of things about like what you can do in between adventures again good reference stuff what are the different kinds of things you can do can you go buy magic items you know what other kind of jobs can you do good things like that and then notable locations and these are just longer descriptions of the locations that are up in that reference and every one of them has like an adventure hook going on this is something i really really like it's something i'm using in the city of arches where every location has a hook every location has an adventure your expectation isn't that the players are going to do every one of these it's to give you an idea of, ah, here's something that could occur here that can draw the characters in. Again, a game usable reference, really, really. And I have used some of these. Like some of these things are ones that I definitely dove right into and offered as options, or we ran, we ran adventures for them and they worked really well. So lots, lots and lots of cool locations. So then we have the the outside of the city. It has like a nice region. It talks about this this area of Ashlar, which is sort of the house setting for many of the work that Raging Swan does. You really don't need more than what's in this book though. So even though the book says like hey, you can do this these other things, you don't really need that much more. This this is a good map that you could use to give an area to to offer up a lot and uh, you could fill in the blanks like when, when you read an area and you're like, oh, I don't really know what's in that area. You can make it up. If you have a character that's got a different origin, a different species from a different place, you can say, ah, maybe you're from this area over here. Maybe you're from these mountains. Maybe you came from the, the Forlorn Isle where, where it came up. And that gets into one of the areas where I think I made a mistake. Uh, when I when I ran my campaign, but I'll, I'll deal. Then it's got the whole surrounding area. So again, sort of places that you can explore. And this is what makes it almost a source book, right? It's really like a focused source book. It's more than just an adventure. Right? It's really kind of designed to be an adventure, but it really has a lot more going on. It has a lot of ways for you to expand it in your own campaign. Ways that I expect many people did with the region around Vandelver using Lost Mine at Fandelver. But I think this probably does a better job than even Lost Mine at Fandelver does in offering these different locations where you could have your own your own sort of adventures and fill it in. Again, a good quick reference. One page that talks about the main locations that it's describing in the book and then the map that that shows what's going on, and then the locations themselves. Again, built very much like the locations in Dulwich itself, where it's got lore, it's got, you know, ad- the, like they don't have an adventure hook here, because they are adventure hooks. They are places where you're going to have adventures. So, lots of good stuff. About seven or eight of them. Not 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 a ton, but enough to, to, to get you going. And then there's the Shadowed Keep itself, which is more of your multi-level. It's not a mega dungeon. It's a, just a regular dungeon, but it's got multiple levels going on, multiple factions going on. Probably two or three different Levels of things again, easily easy to summarize. Beautiful black and white art that kind of goes back to that classic style of of D anD. d And I haven't really dug too deep into this yet. I've read about it. I got what's there, but my characters kind of went off the beaten path. And so yeah, so they they you know I haven't yet dug in. I know who's here. I know what story hooks could bring them here, but I haven't gone through like room by room about what's going to happen. I did read it, so I, I kind of know what's going on there. But I'm going to have to reference it again. But again, easily referenceable. Look at that. Nice, bold, bold words. What's there? Room descriptions that are reasonable, right? That like they're not terribly big, you know, half a page at the most. A lot of times they're just a quarter page lots of different things that you could you could go here look at this a a dungeon key that kind of talks about what each chamber is in one column so you again quick reference and you can tell like this is because this adventure is battle hardened it has been run by many people and they've come back and said i really want x and and they put it in there so it definitely has this you know definitely has this idea of like being a, a table usable book something that's really rare shockingly rare I mean, it may be one of the best adventures I've ever read. It's it's up there. It's high, and it's because of the design. It's because the design of this is really built for you to run it, not just read it, not just try to absorb it and do your own thing, but really run it. And that's something that many adventures don't do don't do well. So I really dig it. And and you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go through like every room, but you can see like good sized dungeons. M- again, multiple levels. There's entire sections of it that are sort of like holy secret sort of high level really dangerous places that they might run into later I kind of like that idea that like there's rumored halls there's a whole other sort of dungeon that's sort of uh, not part of this adventure but like these lost mines this this whole lost dwarven city that the characters could learn about that could expand the adventure in a whole different path so lots of fun the, I think the Undercrypt. I think this area is the one where it's like it's super dangerous and it's not really clear the characters might not even find it Right. Which is kind of which is kind of neat. But then there's, you know, so it has its own like miniature tomb of horrors in there. And then about a third of the about a quarter of the book has appendices. I was talking before I started the video. I don't really need a lot of stat blocks. It does have a lot of stat blocks. They're not they're not wasting my time, but I'm probably not going to run a lot of this stuff. Instead, I'm going to be using my stat blocks that I already have from other sources or I'm going to use books like Forge of Foes to come up with my own stats. But there are definitely people who want to have the stat blocks for all these kind of characters in there and they're in the book and they're ready to go. It's got kind of fun wanted posters at the end, too, for a couple of the main NPCs couple of the main draws that are gonna get you to go to the Shadowed Keep, these sort of brigands and bandits and and you know that you need to go take care of. And then it's got some nice maps of player handouts about where you can go. So really, really excellent adventure. I've 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 only I've run three sessions in it at this point and I really love it. I do not regret running it at all. And I certainly don't regret buying it. I would definitely pick it up if you haven't. So, so go, so go, go check that out. You can go down in the show notes below. You'll find a link to Drive Through RPG. I would pick up the paper copy because I think it's really fun to have the paper copy in your hands, and it's not terribly expensive, under twenty dollars for the for the whole book. And I think like if you if you grab it and you kind of run with it, I think you're definitely going to find that your mind can go off in lots of different directions and come up with your own style. So I, I highly recommend that. So now let's talk about how I've actually been running Shadow Keep of the Borderlands for my own game and talk about what that means. First of all, I mentioned that, like, it was really cool to run Light of Xaraxis, which is an adventure I really like. Light of Xaraxis for Spelljammer was a really, really fun an- adventure. Again, I feel like as an overall product, I was not happy with Spelljammer because there's not really any opportunity for me to build my own adventures with the material they gave me. But I, and for a source book for the world that's as rich as Spelljammer, I really wanted more of that but the adventure itself is really good light of Xaraxis was a lot of fun I enjoyed running it for my group we had a really good time and it's a very different kind of D&D adventure it really is like ships that are sailing through the astral the astral sea going to all these different worlds and dealing with you know p- planet destroying technology it was really neat and really fun but it was also fun to then take a, a hard switch and go back to this old school first level fighting zombies fighting giant spiders kind of adventure and I really I really enjoyed that one thing i did that i think ended up being a mistake was tying it to greyhawk that i thought you know what would be fun is i don't really run a lot of games in greyhawk and because it's this old style old school game maybe i should instead run it in greyhawk and i asked around about like where would be a good location to kind of set the shadowed keep and to set Dalwich and the answer came to the wild coast which is kind of right in the middle of greyhawk i have this map to greyhawk that you can see in the lower in the, in the lower part of the screen and you can see like the area that i picked is is in the woolly bay which is almost directly in the center sort of a little bit south of south of the center of Greyhawk, and it seemed like a pretty good place it's got mountains it's got forests it's got water it's got everything else so i kind of stuck it just west of the peninsula right where the d is and in, in where it says wild you know, where it says Wild Coast, the, the D is kind of where I put Dolwich, And that way they've got forest off to the west, and they've got the coast to the right, and they've got different places they can go. So why was that a mistake? That sounds like a pretty good idea. Why not set it in Greyhawk? And you totally can. The thing is, I'm not familiar with Greyhawk. I really don't know the world of Greyhawk that well. And I don't know it any better than I know the region that they that, that was written about in Shadowed Keep. So I kinda at this point, for my own ease, it would have been better if I just grabbed onto the that sort of house world that Shadowkeep already has and just ran it there because then I only have to use the one book. I do have one player who's very familiar with Greyhawk and then I have a few of us that know about it but aren't completely familiar with it and then a few people that don't know anything about Greyhawk at all and it could be anything else but this whole the Duchy of Ashlar is I, I could have used these maps. Right? Because I went to Greyhawk, it means I have all of these maps in the book that I can't use because they, they don't align right. They don't, they, don't, they don't set up on the map right, which means I have to come up with my own. It would have been really cool if instead I had a map like this and just stuck to its world. So one thing, if I could go back in time, is I do wish that I had just kept running it in the Duchy of Ashlar as the setting, for the adventure because it would have let me use more from the adventure itself and then I don't have this problem of I need to learn about a, a bunch of stuff about Greyhawks so that I can connect to the characters and then also use the stuff that's in Shadowed Keep it's going to be fine like in the end it's going to be fine it's not it's not an unsurmountable mistake it's not something that that I really wish I hadn't you know I've that it's something I wish I hadn't done but it's not going to be something that's going to hurt the game it's just going to be more work for me and it means that there's material in the adventure that I can't use that I just could have easily used if I just decided decided to stick to what was in the book instead of trying to be crafty and special and use Greyhawk. But at this point we have characters who have backgrounds that are tied to connections in Greyhawk. I've already been showing the Greyhawk map so there's no real way for me to go back and kind of switch it to this other than I can take these locations and drop them in Greyhawk and, and you know and off we go. I do plan on sticking around close to that, to that one region to the Woolly Bay region. I don't think we're going to do a lot of big exploration so what I have there on the map that's pretty much the location that we want to have. One thing is that like there is an Elven city and Celine, and we have two characters that kind of ran away from Celine, and I'm going to have like elves chasing them. They're, like they're, they're, you know, I'm going to have elves that are kind of hunting them down to bring them back because they are royalty and they need to do their royal duties instead of going off and being adventurers, and they don't want to do their royal duties. So these people are going to come and try to get them. I think that'll be a fun sort of character hook. So it's it's a little too late, but that 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 is my feeling. I wish I if I could go back, I wish that I would have stuck to. I don't think I would have done Greyhawk. Not not that I'm knocking Greyhawk, but I just feel like there was this whole duchy of astral that was inside shadow keep looks like it would have been fine and i could have used that one of the ways that i've been running this that's worked really well is by always kind of offering multiple choices for the characters so this isn't like a west marches style game where the characters drive all of the main choices about what's going on there is an overall story there are these like inner connections and npc sort of connections that are going on but a lot of times i've said things like okay you now have three different options about the, f- the future path you could learn more you you know that there's an old crypt in the cemetery where undead have been coming from. Do you want to go and investigate that old crypt? You also know that there's these sewers beneath the se- sewers beneath Dulwich and inside of those sewers people have been disappearing and that is an option. You also know that there's these bandits out in the Shadowed Keep and people have put out a reward for the bounty of going and dealing with these bandits. You know that that's on the Shadowed Keep. And then there are these strange monoliths that have been bursting out of the ground in the outreaches of Dulwich. You know, far, you know, not, not, you know, know, not, within about a half day's journey of Dulwich, these monoliths have been bursting from the ground nobody knows what's going on with those you know do you want to investigate those and then the players say they kind of discuss all these different options they say yeah we want to go and investigate those monoliths that sounds really interesting that sounds really weird why don't we go check that stuff out so then i say okay cool and then they've made that choice and then the next adventure i know that it's going to be monolith hunting time but then i can drop in these other choices where i could say okay you know and this is what i did for my game yesterday is that they had one of the characters who's had a like an apocalyptic visions about what's been going on in this area I had him in sort of a fugue state draw a map to the first monolith. So one of the characters is the ones that said, yeah, I, I learned where the first monolith is and here it is and we should go there first. When they get to that monolith and when they deal with that monolith and what's been going on around there, I'm planning on giving them information that shows them about two others and then they get to pick which one of those other two monoliths that they want to go investigate or they want to go, hey, we've already found out enough about these monoliths. We're going to learn where those are, but we're going to go back to town and go do some of that other stuff. They have those options so that I'm always kind of dropping these, you know, in any path that they take, I want to give them like two or three different options about where they can go plus maybe stuff that they have in the back of their mind about where they want to go so then the players can always say oh yeah hey you remember that sewer thing we never did go check out that sewer why don't we go do that so that way there's always choices and that way it's this constant expanding sort of web of different opportunities for the characters but not so wide that they're just wandering aimlessly all of them have adventure hooks all of them have reasons why you would do it i want to make sure that the adventure hooks are not so tight that they feel like they have to do them so when you have time sensitive ones players are going to generally go towards the time sensitive ones but if you say like well there people have been disappearing in the sewers we definitely have somebody to investigate that it's not like oh you know uh, um sally fell down into the sewers and she's disappeared and you know we really want somebody to go down there and save sally and then you're like oh we got to check out those monoliths and come back yeah sally sally's dead she got eaten by. ghoul crocodiles right like you don't if you put that time thing on there they're gonna feel oh god we missed it and now sally's dead because we chose to go after those models and get attacked by zombies so instead you want to make sure that those hooks are not so important that you're not you're just railroading right even though you have these other options you're really saying yeah but this is the right option so you want to you want to worry i I worry about that and i consider that when i'm putting these 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 things in there then the other thing is i immediately started homebrewing this campaign that even though i'm running shadow keep and as much as i love shadow keep immediately i had this other sort of storyline and i started off by i think i was rolling like a random monument for the place to them to start their group and i rolled a monolith and i was like oh wouldn't it be cool if there's a monolith and i was like and then just offhand i was like what if the monolith is really old but the fact that it burst out of the ground is relatively new and that was something that through some kind of investigation they learned after they dealt with some bandits and then fought some skeletons i really found that like almost immediately my adventures went off away from the stuff that's inside shadowed keep i'm using locations i'm certainly using dull i'm using npcs from there i'm using some ideas that are in there but i really hung on to this idea of like you know that that undead are coming out of the Cemetery, And that's fine. But I was like, what if there's like a whole set of undercrypts down there? And what if there's like an evil priest who's down there running kind of rituals to like raise the dead, which is in the book. But I was like, what if there's actually a place down there called the black cathedral? What if there is, they have this beautiful cathedral. And in my game, it's to to lore. They have this beautiful cathedral to Paylor That's been funded by like two different groups that are trying to outmatch one another. And they're all putting like the stained glass, beautiful stained glass windows. So you have the guilds that are paying one, you know, different guilds are like at war with each other to try to put as much money into this massive cathedral so they have this beautiful cathedral that's really highly underused and i had this idea of like what if you drew a line and then like flipped it and inverse the colors and what if there's another cathedral that's way down beneath dulwich that's called the black cathedral and it is this dark super dark super evil cathedral that's the the Polar opposite of the cathedral that's up above in the city. That idea just sort of resonated with me, and I was like, I want to run this idea called the Black Cathedral. And it's sort of like that is sort of a longer level thing. It's not one to four at that point. Maybe that's getting to the Black Cathedral, and dealing with the Black Cathedral it could be like a tier two kind of problem. But I love that idea. And then I was then I was like, well, I had that monolith in the first one. What if like you know somebody's down there, sort of firing up the Black Cathedral, sort of you know bringing its energy about, and then these these you know monolith or these, 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 yeah, these monoliths, these obsidian, you know, pillars are burrowing out of the ground. And they're breaking out of the ground because they're drawing necrotic energy. They're like corrupting life in order to fuel the black cathedral. I was like, that feels like a cool idea to me, and I want to run with it. So I started run with it. And then yesterday I was like, okay, well, who who is this? Like, who are the gods and everything like that? And I was like, well, there's all kinds of guys. It could be nerol like the, you know, nerol is sort of the god of death. That would be a good one. And I was like, what about Orcus? I love Orcus. Orcus is one of my favorite, you know, bad guys. And wouldn't it be cool if Orcus was sort of the main bad guy or the main sort of deity that's here? You know, I've always loved Orcus. I've I've ran a whole giant campaign about Orcus in 4th edition, and it's been 10 years time to run Orcus again. So then I, and then, and then I picked this, this other idea. And here's a, here's a tip that I really like. You ready for, here's a, an actionable tip that you can use in your games, which is an idea that I got from the Midgard world book by Kobold Press, which is the idea of masks that deities could have masks. And a mask is essentially an alter ego for a deity. And if you actually think back again, going to some of the inspiration that shadowed keep of the borderlands has is village of Hamlet village of Hamlet is the first part of a big, long set of classic adventures called the temple of elemental evil and one of the whole themes of the temple of elemental evil is that there's these different elemental cultists that are doing all of these different things and sometimes at war with each other and all these different gods but really there's like one god there's the the elder elemental eye Tharzadun, who's sort of the key to connecting all of these things together and Tharzadun is really like the the, the 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 central hub of this and the elemental the the sort of temple of different the elemental cults are all sort of different warring masks that are all kind of worn by the same super powerful elder elemental eye in the beginning in the, in the, in the, in the deepest reaches. And I thought like, what if you did the same thing with Orcus? Like what if there are all these different gods and there's, there are these different views, these different sort of names for these deities, but they're really all, if you scrape down and you get down, they're really Orcus is what's below. And they they don't know that they're worshiping Orcus directly, but they're kind of bringing it in. I like, that's kind of a cool idea. And what if the black cathedral is a, a citadel with a portal that is getting fired up in order to try to draw Orcus into the world? Like that would be a really cool idea, right? I think that would be really fun. Now I've run Orcus in other fifth edition games. He uh, Orcus played in Out of the Abyss, but you know it's been a while, and I, and I like I just like Orcus so much. He's one of my favorite. He's, one, he's probably my favorite of the uh, the demon princes, and you know of the dark gods, etc. Orcus is, is is always good. I could again I could use Narrol, who is like a god of Greyhawk specifically, but I think Orcus would be fun in fact maybe you throw narrow in there as like a hey you know they're com- a com- competitor to orcas and that might you know you have sort of an evil, evil group that is working in line with you to try to stop the thing with orcas might be a fun thread to throw out there but it, you could tell like i immediately just went with my own direction they had these sort of you know obelisks that are popping out of the ground the characters are going after the obelisks they're dealing with that and then building my own building my own way now one thing that has been instrumental in helping me create these homebrew ideas and just run with them as i've been running shadow keep are of course maps by Dyson logos. Dyson from Dyson Logos has been making more has more than a thousand maps available on on their website. Wonderful maps that go back for decades. And, and just all of them, you can just kind of look through, scroll through, grab the one you like, and say, yeah, that's a map I want to use. And I did that in my Shadowed Keep game. So you can see, like, I've been using Dyson maps for all of these. I'm like, oh, there's a, there's a well, the Well of Hope's Alley is a well that's in there. But like, what if we had a map that was associated so that they go down into the well, I know what the map looks like. And I grabbed a Dyson map and threw it in there. And it was really quick for me to fill out a lot of these locations. You know, there's a place called the Banshee Tower, which is another location that I want to have. And I just pulled up a Dyson map and threw it in the Banshee Tower. The Crypts of the Shun Valley, right? You know, I have this whole area called the Shun Valley, and I'm one of these crypts, and I was like, oh, this would be cool. Like, what if there's, you know, a couple layers? Of, it looks like I got two different maps. I'll have to pick one of those. So, you know, I really like this idea. There's Dullwich. There's the Dulwich Cemetery, right? The Dulwich Cemetery. I'm like, I want to have a whole set of tombs and everything beneath it. And so, what it lets me do is like really fill out this adventure with. And I mean, I could run forever in this place, right? A thousand dungeon maps available. And, you know, I'm not gonna run them all. But like every time I've like to run a location, it's like, well, put a little dungeon there, you know, drop in a little dungeon. And so I did one for for the game yesterday that they didn't get back to. So the black harbinger is one of the masks of Orcas. And this idea is that the black obelisk is there and there's a bunch of undead, and they're gonna find out that there is a cultist who used this place raised this obelisk and then went into some nearby caves to kind of research the thing while the undead are kind of burrowing out and this nakarta dreadwind who i wrote as deceased but they might not be so i grabbed this map that said okay now i have these nearby caves that they can go into and i jotted down some things that might be in those caves and the players didn't even get here yet they're really still outside but next session they're probably ready to go and the nice thing is i already have a map and everything ready to go for them to explore uh, this dungeon so what has helped me considerably in being able to kind of build out this campaign the way i want to build it is that i can get ideas from shadowed keep in the borderlands mix it with some of my own ideas like the idea of a of a cult of orcas that's that's trying to get orcas back in their area this this vision of a black cathedral you know i really want to like grab onto these ideas and then i can fill them out and fill out the locations with specific dungeon maps from Dyson's. And that lets me build out a really cool, fun campaign. There's lots of places to explore. There's lots of NPCs to interact with and Dulwich and the areas around it. There's big plots that are going on. You know, lots of lots of fun things that are going on that are all kind of tied and centralized around this one, this one, this one adventure. For the system that I used, I decided just for ease and because I have players that are used to DD Beyond is that we would use a standard DD 5E core books. So we're using the 2014 Player's Handbook, Tasha's and Xanathar's, a few house rules to get rid of Twilight and Peace clerics from Tasha's, but otherwise we're using pretty much everything. A few little house rules. We are using the luck system from Tales of the Valiant. I've been running that in two other campaigns and both groups really like the luck system. We're fi- I think we're finding it to be a good replacement for inspiration. I really dig it so we're going to continue to use this. But the reality is for this style of campaign, we could have used many different systems. We could have used Old School Essentials would fit very well with this. The Shadow Dark RPG I think would work really well with this. The style of this adventure and the style of Shadow Dark really seemed to match a lot. I was actually looking at Shadow Dark side by side with it, thinking like, man, this would have been fun to use Shadow Dark for. Nave is the another super lightweight old school style adventure. I think Nave would be good. I don't know if you would run like a super long Nave campaign in it, but you could level up Advanced 5E would also work really well. I you know I could very easily have used level up Advanced 5E and probably Tales of the Valiant would have worked. Uh, would have worked as well so any of kind of the the classic styles I'm sure and it was built for Pathfinder so if you're a Pathfinder player and you want to use Pathfinder there is a Pathfinder version of Shadowed Keep of the Borderlands that you can use specifically written for Pathfinder so really any of this kind of standard fantasy RPGs I think could could work well you could certainly use like Dungeon World you know if you wanted to go with a more story focused version and use Dungeon World for it you could certainly do that too so you know lots of different RPGs that I think would fit very well with this sort of classic style somebody brought up before we started, which parts can you scrape from? something like Shadowed Keep and use in your own adventure. And again, this is a lot of times how people use these published works, is they don't really run them directly, they instead steal parts from them and run with them. What are the parts that are most easily scrapable for parts? And one thing that I think gets overlooked with published adventures is that sometimes the most scrapable part, the part of an adventure that you can grab and run with and run on your own, is the general idea of the adventure. We don't really think of that as like a scrapable part. We're usually thinking of something crunchier, like, oh, I can use the monsters, or Or I can use magic items or I can use these other parts. But a really scrapable part of a published adventure is the general idea. And part of it is because sometimes we have either so many ideas that we don't know which one to go with, or we really can't come up with a good idea for just running our homebrew adventure from nothing. And sometimes we need just a kick in the right direction. Just something to kind of push us in the right direction to say yes, that's an idea for an adventure. And I think that Shadowed Keep really did that for me. That when I picked up Shadowed Keep in the Borderlands and I started reading it, I was like, oh, okay, here's this city and here's this general idea. Let me go with this, and it gave me a starting location. I just ran with it, and then now I'm off on my oh, what if it was this? What if it was that? What if there's a black cathedral? What if there's a group of Orcas cultists that are trying to bring back Orcus? What or if there's multiple or- group of Orcus worshipers, but they're not—they don't even know they're all worshiping the same. I get all these ideas, but they're all built from this one concept. So I think the probably the most scrapable concept for any for the one of the most spray, scrapable components of a published thing is just an idea that you can grab and run with. I think that that's really, really good. It really gives you a kick in the right direction. Locations, of course, are very scrapable from published adventures and, and published campaign settings. You can grab cities or towns. You can say, okay, I'm going to use the city and town, but really, we're going to go on other places. Again, Dulwich, you could grab that city of Dulwich, which I think is a really, really good like adventure and campaign usable town or city that you can grab it and run with it. I think is a really good way for to, to grab something and go. But also you can grab other locations, those short uh, those short location descriptions that are in Shadowed Keep that kind of describe what's going on where, you know, these these sort of, you know, two, three sentence descriptions of stuff. You might just grab that and go with that. You know, you can just grab these things. Like, oh, that's a really cool idea. I'm going to flesh that out. I'm going to add my own maps. I'm going to add my own storyline. I'm going to add my own monsters. I'm going to add my own treasure. You can build these out into multiple sessions from like, you know, two or three sentences. And w- I'll tell you a good sign of a campaign source book that makes it really usable is when I read a location description and say, ah, I could build an entire set of adventures there. Right. In three sentences, they managed to grab me enough that I could see an entire adventure or campaign coming from there. I saw that with Ghost of Salt there's a whole section about sort of the outskirts of the salt marsh region and they have this whole storyline about this this wood and there's like a 20 level campaign just in those woods. Right. Just nearby. You read the description of it. And you're like, I could build an entire campaign out of that. And that idea of like, is there enough material to build an entire four year campaign out of the idea that just comes from like, you know, six or seven sentences? That's really cool. And that's something I think you can get from public good published settings offer that the Midgard World Book. There's I don't know how many campaigns you could pull out of the Midgard World Book, but it's a lot. You could certainly play campaigns weekly for the rest of your life with just that one book from the ideas that come to you from just that one book so that's those locations i think are 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 really big and of course npcs and, and adventure hubs you know the, the NPCs are always something you can grab oh I really like that idea for that character I'm going to grab that character and drop it in my game that's certain, certainly something you can pull but I, I think that those those the, the main things that you can get from a published setting that you could strip out of it and run in your game are general ideas and concepts just getting you that kick in the right direction oh that's a good idea but I have my own ideas for it that's totally cool and totally a good way to go specific locations so you can say oh especially like a starting location or an adventuring hub like Dullwood or like Fandelver, you know, that you have these places where these adventures take place. Those are really good. And then these like uh, adventure locations that you can pull out of sources and say, oh, I want to build my own, own whole adventure there. But then if you do have other locations where they have filled it all out, big dungeons with maps that are keyed with lots of locations, you could grab those dungeon maps and pull those out and drop those somewhere else instead of where they have it in the adventure. So there's really a lot of scrapable stuff that you can get out of a published setting, which is why I am so big on them, why I think published settings are a really good value for the money that you spend. I really, I really like them somebody also asked like do you need to read the whole thing to really get everything out of this and i don't for shadowed keep of the borderlands i don't think you do i think the more you read of it the more value you're going to get out of it and it's probably worth giving a good skim read if you're going to run dull i think it's worth your time to read through the Dolwich section when you think you're going to be heading towards the shadowed keep itself you definitely want to read through at least the upper layers of the shadowed keep and skim read this stuff enough that you have a general idea of what's going on. But again, one thing I found with Shadowed Keep is that it's really written and designed to be easily digestible by a GM. It's really, really built. Again, like to, to me, the best products out there are the ones that are written like by GMs for GMs. Right, Those are the those are the adventures that I think are are really, really good. Those are the campaign settings that I think are really, really good. When they were written by GMs recognizing the kinds of things we struggle with when we're running our games and designing a product that's built to help you with those struggles. And they're unfortunately rare. The, one other one that comes to mind that does a really good job with, with this is Dungeons of Drakenheim by the Dungeon Dudes, which is published by Ghostfire. I think it was a special like a special award winner for the any, the 2023 ennies. And it's just an excellent, I've had friends that have run, I haven't run it yet. I'm, I'm hoping to run it when the time is right. But as another one, that, having flipped through it and read through it, it is a book written by GMs for GMs to really make it easy for you to run this at your table. And I think that can be a rare thing. I think sometimes when designers are sitting down to design stuff, they're not considering, they get lost in the story, they get lost in their own lore, they get lost in other things, and they didn't write it to go, oh, by the way, human beings are going to be sitting at a table with six people throwing Cheetos at each other, and you've got to figure out what this thing is, and you've got to be ready to, to run it, and you got to be able to remember those NPC names and all those connections. Not everything is written that way, and it's really, really hard to do that, and Shadowkeep of the Borderlands is an example of a product that really does it well. If you enjoyed this video, please consider subscribing to the Sly Flourish newsletter. Where you'll get a weekly RPG-related email sent directly to your inbox, plus a free adventure generator PDF. It's completely free to sign up. You can also support me directly on Patreon. Patrons get access to a dedicated Discord server, the monthly Q&A, the City of Arches sourcebook, which I am hoping matches the same quality level that we're seeing with Shadowkeep as a product that is written by a GM for GM's to be able to run campaigns there it's something I'm being very conscious of when I'm writing it and you get to see that process as it's evolving and have the the City of Arches available to you to run for your own group as well as Uncovered Secrets Volume 1 and 2 and the monthly Q&A and lots of other stuff that you get for being a patron of Sly Flourish and you can also pick up any of my books including Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master, the Lazy DM's Workbook and the Lazy DM's Companion on the Sly Flourish bookstore links for all of that are in the show notes thank you so much have a great day and get out there and play an RPG.